<laughs> ready? I'm ready. You're listening to Tall Tales and Tattooing, New Zealand's tattoo podcast. Kia ora, I'm Craigie Lee and you're listening to the Tall Tales and Tattooing podcast. Um, I'm up in sunny Otaki this week um, with our guest Tim Hunt from Pacific Tattoo. Kia ora. How are you going? Yeah, no, good, good. Day off today, so always good. Yeah, I took a day off too to pop out and um, there was no traffic, so it was great getting up here. It's the way. Um, so you're from Wellington originally? Yeah. Born and bred? Not born, but from when I was eight years old, I moved from Christchurch. Yeah. But you started your tattoo career in Auckland, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I had an opportunity to go to Auckland. Um, yeah, I, I had never wanted to be a tattooist. I never even would have thought of it. But I just had a uh, an old friend of mine who was opening a studio in Auckland, uh, and I'd known him for a long time. And he wanted to, he just needed some help, basically. Yeah. And he knew that he could trust me with money and that I would be good for um, looking after customers. and So it's kind of took on as more of a shop manager at that, that point in time? Probably officially, but more as just a shop um, dog's body, like cleaning the toilet, all that sort of stuff, making <laughs> yeah. the cup of teas. Apprentice stuff, but without the title. Yeah, without the title and without me wanting to be an apprentice. Yeah. So how were you like interested in art at all at school and stuff before um, that point? Or? Not, not particularly at school, but I've always been into... Um, Making things, basically. You yeah. know, since I was a young kid, I've always made stuff. And, um, yeah, just uh, I've never been trained properly with art or, or drawing or anything like that. It's just um, I just got a bit of a... In myself, I'd say I have a natural sense of design. Yeah. That's all. But I can't do anything realistic or... I can't, nah. can't draw a picture of your grandma that looks like your grandma or anything. Well, every tattoo artist has got their own skill set. Yeah, know? yeah, true. And I think in today's day and age... You don't have to do everything, you know. People seek out artists and go to them specifically for their style. That's right. Um, we're living in a quite a different time than a, a while back. Absolutely. Um, so, how what were you doing when you first got up to Auckland? How how old were you then? I was I wasn't young. I was in my thirties. I would think I was thirty four or something like that when I started. Yeah. And um, I already had my my two sons. Um, and so did you re- relocate the whole family up to no, Auckland? No, no, no. I'd separated from their mum okay. and. Um, when when um, when I was asked to come up, I just straight away said no. I can't leave my area because my, my kids are here. And, yeah. But um, then well, after making that call and saying no, um, everything in my life basically went from bad to worse, and um, it was just a, I just had to do something and get out and make a move. So that was that was what I did. Yeah, just get into like a new headspace. Yeah, and yeah. A new fresh start sort of thing. Basically, that was that was the pathway that was open in front of me. So yeah. that, so I took it. Cool. So how long was it? Before you were like, hmm, I think I might have a go at this. Well, I worked, I worked there for nine months and um, basically at the end of that time, well, before the end of that time, I really decided I didn't want to be there anymore and didn't want to be associated with, with the actions of this, this person I was working with anymore. Right, okay. Because so, sometimes relationships change a lot when you have a friend or when you're actually working with a friend or even yeah, living, living yeah, with a friend like Absolutely. roommates, you know. Absolutely. So, you yeah, know, that was, that was definitely an eye-opener for me. Um, and I'd always be grateful to um, f- for having that opportunity to, to get involved. Um, and so I was just going to walk away from it all. And that was going to be the end of um, my tattoo tour or whatever. But then um, while I was there, I had got to spend time um, with, um, with, with Sua Sulapi Paolo II. Yeah. And um, he had, I'd spent quite a bit of time hanging out at his place and taking people there and stuff. And I had um, gotten tattooed from him. He was running the first Samoan tattoo convention in Samoa, and this is um, 1999. And um, he had asked me to go because the piece that he'd done on my leg was based on a Hawaiian design, and he wanted to show the um, Kione, the Hawaiian tattooist, um, the way that the Hawaiian tattoo could be done with the traditional tools. Right. Because he, at that stage, was, was using machines. Yeah. He'd got started, I think, with hand tools, but not really. So um, he asked me to go, and so I went, um, still not wanting to get involved in tattooing. That was going to be the end of me. Yeah. And then just um, more of a little holiday. Yeah, Hawaii, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, nice. and I'd never been anywhere in the, out of the country, basically. So, um, so I went and um, spent time there. I did the sterilising for everybody at the convention. How big was that convention? Ah, uh, was it quite small? It was. It was. Today? Well, I mean. I don't know, maybe 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 sixty or eighty artists or something like that. Maybe sixty artists, 
And at that stage, the tattoo world obviously was a lot smaller. So mm. it was a lot of the top artists because Surapi used to travel to all the um, international conventions and he was always really blown away at how well he was looked after and received and, and hospitality that he got at those places and the friendships that he made. And what he wanted to do was reciprocate. And yeah. the way that he thought of doing that was to invite everybody back to Samoa for this convention. Right, and have so, a look after them and, and show them the yeah. South Pacific. So basically, well, South yeah, Pacific, yeah. 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 So basically it was um, a lot of the, ta- the top tattoo artists that were on that, um, that were doing the conventions in those days. And they all just came there. There was two or three days of um, tattooing at a hall downtown. And then, um, and then it was basically like a class camp. It was like a school camp with everyone jumping in buses and getting bussed all around the island. And, and then we jumped in the ferry and went to Savai. And um, it was just an amazing experience and, and a real eye-opener. And um, a lot of the old school um, New Zealand tattooists were there and, and they got to meet all these kind of famous tattooists and just see um, see them in action. And um, a lot of uh, friendships were made at that point between people from here and people from, from um, Europe. And that a lot of people would go and work in Europe with those contacts that they made at that show. Yeah. And um, that was kind of uh, um, a real big turning point for a lot of people upping their game um, technically yeah. and understanding um, and also artistically. Yeah. Yeah, because I talked to Dean and Dan for the first podcast of this series, and they were just saying how difficult it was even getting like machines and needles and stuff. And when they first got their first like electric machines, yeah, that's right, it was um, totally different. Which was in those kind of would have been around the same time, yeah. Yeah, it was about the same time. They they probably were going a little bit before I kind of came in with the picture, but um, I, yeah, I think um, I think Dan had been tattooing for a couple of years at the point that I started out. Yeah, he was already really good. Yeah, and and Dean was already already amazing. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, some people just take off and run with it eh? and then yeah. others like I felt like I don't know you get to a point where you do a few good tattoos and you get a bit of confidence you're like yeah man I'm, I'm getting really good at this and then you look at what else is going on you're like oh no I'm really not I've still got a long way to yeah, go that's right um yeah it's interesting everyone just takes to it differently I think yeah no that's true that's true but um and they would they were cool those those guys because they were different from the um you know the old the old New Zealand style shop of the with the biker kind of um vibe and mentality and stuff they were um they were doing something different they were pushing the artistic boundaries and um but they were really really skilled up as well and um they seemed to be on a par with some of the newer studios that were happening overseas Mm. which um the the average studio in in this country at that time definitely wasn't wasn't up to that level nowhere near yeah (laughs) (laughs) so kind of what what was well, like you said, like biker shop, but so it would just be like a street shop with like heaps of flash and like all that kind of stuff you just see in every shop, like the cherry yeah, yeah, stuff. And yeah, basically. And I mean, I'm sure there are other. I didn't. I wasn't even that deeply into the tattoo world, so I probably didn't know all of the shops. Oh, I didn't. Obviously, didn't. But um, some of the ones that I did go into definitely. Um, you know, like there's cages on the window and stuff like that, and even some of them, the tattooists were behind cages. Yeah. And um, they'd kind of if they weren't tattooing. They'd be sitting out the back looking at reading magazine or something like that and they'd kind of begrudgingly look at you and, and not acknowledge you and just go back to their magazine and you'd walk around and look at the flash and walk out and that was kind of, um, there was no greeting or nothing like that in, yeah. in, in places, in a lot of places anyway. So um, that's just how it was. Yeah. And um, <laughs> people just hadn't realised that, that um, it's a, uh, they needed to have those... Um, communication skills to really make it work but also i mean there wasn't many shops so there wasn't much competition well that's it like if you don't have any competition you don't have to be nice no. to people do no, you, you because it's like well okay if you don't want it fuck off yeah yeah that's <laughs> right and and then and that that's um that was kind of the, the seemed to be the mindset yeah and that was part of the 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 tattoo mentality i guess mm. yeah at, at that time so um what happened after the the convention Oh, so basically I went to the convention, uh, hung out with all these people. I decided I'd get tattooed because I was feeling, I didn't really know anybody there very well, only Sorapi and he was busy. So um, I just decided I'd get in there and, and, and get tattooed and I got a tattoo from um, Leo Zulueta, who I had been aware of um, and I'd always seen his flash and everything like that and um, I went to him and I got a little lizard tattooed on my leg, one of his classic tribal lizards and... Um, 
we just got on with it on a personal level. And um, uh, a couple of days later, as we were traveling around, he um, asked me if I wanted to come work with him for a couple of months. He was in a situation where he was selling um, Black Wave and he was basically, um, he had three months left and his apprentice Rory had just finished his apprenticeship and didn't want to keep coming down to Los Angeles or up to Los Angeles. So he said, "Come, you can come stay with me um, and do a few chores for me around the place and I'll get you started tattooing. Yeah. So, what, so you went, were you interested in tattooing at that time or that was just like an yeah. offer and you were like, oh, yeah, okay, I should take this? I was interested. I mean, I'd, when I was working at the shop in Auckland, I had been, I'd go in the evenings and just sit down and draw designs and stuff like that. And I had kind of thought about it. Then I'd toyed with it. And, um, were and, you doing like stencils and line drawings and stuff for the shop you were working yeah, at? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, but then I just, um, like I say, I had been looking at that was the end of my um, my foray into tattooing, and then um, this opportunity came up, and I mean, I just about blacked out when he gave me that offer because I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah, just met the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also because I knew who he was. Yeah, um, and and that was a chance to go to Los Angeles and work over there, and I was like, wow. So I mean, you had I had to take it. No way, no way you couldn't take it. So within a few weeks, I was. I was stateside, basically. Yeah, saved up, packed up, and yeah, yeah, off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I borrowed the money to get, get the air ticket and stuff, and and um and that was that. So it was um yeah, that was amazing. So once I'd done that, once I got there, it was just total. That's all I did. That's all I thought about basically mm. for three months, and I just sat down and drew and and started tattooing. What was it like stepping off the plane in Los Angeles for somebody who hadn't really left New Zealand? Like obviously your first trip was to Hawaii. Yeah, 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 yeah to, to like Samoa. Mainland, yeah, yeah, mainland yeah. states. Was the culture and stuff very different at the time? And just, you know, I imagine it would have been. Yeah, it seemed, it, it was crazy to me. It, it was, um, I really felt it the next morning, actually, rather than getting off the plane. But the next morning, waking up in the apartment building and walking through the apartment building and just hearing American accent voices all around me. Yeah. And at that point, we only really heard American accent voices on TV. Yeah. So it was kind of like being in the TV at that <laughs> point. It was, um, but it, no, it was, it was really cool. There was a whole lot of things that I'd been interested in. That were in as as I'd grown up, um, that originated in Los Angeles, and and those kind of things, uh, you know, like um, I hadn't thought about skateboarding for years and years, but when I was a kid, I I was into skating, and um, I followed the Dogtown kind of stuff in the magazines, and um, ended up getting taken um, on a tour of all those old skate spots that they used to ride all the banks and stuff like that, like Paul Revere High School and all those sort of places. So cool. that was that was a really cool thing, which I never would have thought of. Um, and and the, obviously the music thing, and it was just, um, there was a lot of history there yeah. and a lot of things that I, you know, popular culture stuff that I'd yeah. been really interested in. So well, We touched on music a little bit earlier, eh, when, we, when I was setting up, but mm. yeah, like that kind of time would have been sort of when sort of, punk rock really was at its peak wasn't it like 99 and 2000 just kind of taking off yeah yeah well i mean i'm i'm a lot older than that <laughs> i'm i was i played in bands when the when the first punk thing happened in the at the end of the um 70s and early 80s yeah so that was kind of the the real punk thing for me that was my time when i got into music and played in bands and stuff but um i think that was around about the, the time of um suicidal tendencies and stuff and yeah. all that sort of thing so yeah, I guess there was that kind of um, that kind of thing, which was actually kind of a bit alien to me because that was like I'd been the next generation, the next generation, yeah. and I had been having my kids and stuff. I'd been out of circulation for a while, so I was more into the um, the older stuff like Black Flag and those kind of things and Huskadoo and all those sort of bands. So cool. I guess that was more my thing, but yeah. that was still obviously um, uh, a lot of that culture was centered in Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when you um, got there and started your proper apprenticeship, yeah. Um, what was your day to day like? Like you said, like your life pretty much just evolved around the yeah, studio. yeah, yeah. Well, basically, I think I can't remember. We started work really quite late in the day, so we'd get up and um, I don't know. It was maybe it was maybe midday or something like that. So we'd we'd um, I'd get up early and just usually draw because I like to do that at that time of the morning anyway. And um, and then we'd just um, and they make lots of cups of tea, and then we'd just jump in the car, and um, and drive into town basically, and get something to eat. That was breakfast, and then work would start at around about twelve, and um, 
to start with, I just watch Leo every day for, a, for a, a, maybe a week or so, a week or two. And then I just started getting offered little jobs. At that point, it was the days when everyone was still getting um, kanjis right. and, you know, the Asian writing and stuff like that. So they're pretty forgiving for the learner tattoo. To, yeah, yeah, I did teach those when I was an apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're great. And then they, um, they're supposed to look like they're hand done anyway. So that made, that made it really easy. So they definitely did. Um, was he using machines or was he on like hand tools? Oh no, no, he's only ever used machines. Okay. He's always been a machine tattooist. So, um, and yeah, do those sort of stuff. But there was, um, at that stage, there was people just starting to kind of get interested in Polynesian tattoo. And so people would come in and want to get, um, in those days, particularly Māori designs done. And um, I got put onto those just because I knew a bit about how to draw them, basically. Yeah. And more than anyone else in the shop did. And you're from New Zealand, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from there, so... <laughs> I mean, but I had had some, some... I had been learning about that stuff. Yeah. I've had did, been learning. Did you, have you done any carving or anything like that? I've always done... Um, I'd always done bone carving at that point. Oh, yeah, cool. Bone carving and, and ponamu and, and shell and those bits and pieces, yeah. small stuff. So, yeah, that's a good, like, grounding and understanding. Yeah, yeah. Like, going into the tattooing. Yeah. Cool. So, how long... Um, were you in the States for? I did, th- I did three months in the States and um, yeah, just um, then came back and, and came back via um, the first Tahitian tattoo convention, which was a really cool one as well. So um, that, that ended up coinciding with my trip home. So yeah. I, I did that and then, um, then came back and um, got a job. I, I went and worked at Suluapi had said, I'd got to tell Suluapi before he passed away, I got to tell him that I was going to go and work with Leo Zulueta, and he was super pleased about that. And um, he said to me, anyone would want to do that. Any tattooist would want to work there. So he said, you know, you're really lucky, and he was really pleased. Um, so did he pass away when you were in the States? No, before that, that. Oh, before that. Before okay. I even went. In between, in, in between, he passed away like a couple of weeks after that Samoan convention. Oh, okay. So um, when I got back... I went and worked. He told me that when I, when I came back, I should go work at his shop with Jason, who I can't remember his surname, but Jason had his shop in, um, in Ōtara. And um, so, so that's what I did. Yeah. And basically worked, worked in that shop. That shop, he, he kind of um, uh, got into financial trouble and then opened another shop in Monaco City, which probably would have been the first one in Monaco City. And then I worked there for a while and then... Um, then I got a chance to work with um, Gordon Toy, doing um, doing carving. Awesome. Yeah. So and that was doing ponamu, and so I did that for maybe a year and a half or something like that. And took time off of tattooing during that time, or you did doing little bits and pieces, little yeah. bits and pieces. So I basically the, the the tattooing went on the back burner for a little while while I got to spend a lot of time. But I was I mean we were I was assisting with his tattooing with his tamaku work a lot of the time too. Yeah. So. And there was me and, and, and my mate Rossi, the, both of us were working there together. And um, we'd go there every day and carve or, or help with the tattooing if that was being done. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was an awesome time and a real good um, base for me and my knowledge too. Yeah. And was kind of like, that would have probably been when sort of like cultural Māori style tattooing sort of was on the up again, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that had, I mean Gordon was already going strong with it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. And yeah. would was it like where was he, was it sort of like carving the stuff where he was getting inspiration for patterns or where or was he coming up with his own stuff? Oh well, he was he was trained at the um, the Arts and Crafts Institute in, at Fakarewere in, in Rotorua. So he was a he's a classically trained carver. So right. he's someone that really knows his stuff. Yeah. And um, that was they learn a lot of the um, the tamakal designs. Uh, at the carving school, because obviously those designs are included in the carving a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of one of the places where they were preserved. Yeah. Um, and so, basically, most of the people that, that started that um, Tāmoko Renaissance um, were actually trained carvers, so that's that was their starting point. Right, and obviously they had the reference with yeah. the carving to, to go with. Yeah, yeah, and the knowledge of, of what Tāmoko actually is and what it... What it um, what it is for people to wear it and, and and what that means. Yeah. So when you when you came back to um to New Zealand, were you doing that kind of stuff, or were you just doing walking bits and bobs and just still kind of honing your own skills? Yeah, yeah, walking bits and bobs basically. 
And one of the things that, that Leo gave me a really good um, grounding in normal tattooing, he, he, he kind of said to me, um, even if you know what direction you want to head with your tattooing, it's really good to, when you're learning, do every sort of tattooing. Yeah. Because you'll pick up skills that you won't pick up if you're just doing that one thing that you want to do. So um, so I just went with that. Yeah. And, and so I did... Um, I did that with um, at Surapi's shop at, J- at Jason's shop in, in South Auckland, and then um, I was working with um, with Gordon, like I say. But I was really didn't want to be based in Auckland anymore because I was I needed to be I was I'd been travelling backwards and forwards to see my kids who were you know getting older as as time went by, and it was only it was a matter of a couple of years. But I still didn't want to be um, away from them. I wanted to be based in Wellington, so I moved back down and um, did my carving down here and would go up and do jobs with, with Gordon as well. But then I decided that I actually needed to, I really wanted to commit myself to tattooing and yeah. make the best of the opportunity that Leo had given me. So I decided I would get a job in Wellington or try and get a job at a tattoo studio in Wellington. Mm-hmm. And Wellington, you mean like central Wellington? Yeah, so in central city. Wellington. Yeah that, yeah, that was the only place that there wasn't a thing yeah, really in those days. So what, what were your options? What shops were around then? Um, there was basically Rogers... And Roger was kind of, um, he, he didn't really seem to have room. He wasn't, didn't seem to be taking people on. I never actually talked to him about it, but I don't think that would have been the right place for me anyway. And then Steve Droog, I went there, and I actually sat around and drew there a couple of days and decided that's not really my thing either. Uh, and then the only other option was Tattoo City. Yeah. And, um, and I just one day I happened to go into Wellington and I happened to... Um, I bumped into Frosty and, and um, he asked me how the carving was going and I said I'm doing good but I just actually really want to get back into tattooing. And he said, oh, come and see Kenny, he's looking for somebody at the moment. And so I did and, and then ended up working there for five years. Right, and was it called Tattoo City then? Yeah. Yeah, it was, cool. Cause yeah. It was, was it Primeval before it was? Yeah, yeah, that was when um, when um, Damien owned it. Right, and then Ken took it from Damien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and turned it into, into Tattoo City. Yeah, and now it's turned back to Cuba Street Tattoo now. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah. It's gone through a few, uh, ink, like, yeah. And Ken also had the um, the little studio down in the um, James Smith Market at the time called Artistic Tattoo. Right. And that's where I was actually um, hired to work. Okay, yeah, because I've heard about that place, but didn't really know much about it. Yeah, yeah. So that, in, that was in the James Smith building. Yeah, yeah, and there was just like little a little little, stalls little and corner stuff. in the market, basically. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah, just yeah. one artist in there. Uh yeah. Usually one at a time. I think at a pinch, two could work there. Yeah, I worked there. Some I can't remember if I actually tattooed at the same time. There's a guy called Jason who was working there, and he ended up moving to the UK. But um, yeah, uh, I sort of came. I did a. Ken got me to work for a couple of months at um, Tattoo City just to get into the swing of it yeah. and then put me down there basically to yeah. take over from Jason and Jason, I worked with Jason a few times but I don't know if you could actually tattoo at the same time, I can't remember. Mm. And who, who else was at Tattoo City back then? Like you said, Frosty was there. Frosty was there, um, uh, Shane was there um, and Manu was there, that was probably it. Yeah. Frosty, Shane and Manu were the, were the, were the ones. Cool. And did you learn heaps from them? Because obviously they're all like, well, to me, like when I first came to Wellington, they're all still here. Manny's obviously left now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. they're all still around and they're all still doing their thing. Doing their thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Shane was there Shane was there for a little while. He ended up leaving pretty soon after I arrived. So I didn't really um, get a lot from, from Shane. Um, but basically um, with Manu, him and I, he'd been there for a year when I started. And... Um, him and I kind of got on really well and we, we sort of um, spent quite a bit of time talking about things and we're trying to work out how things worked and stuff like that and yeah. trying to figure out machines and inks and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then soon after I arrived, um, Jolene came and then um, Gil came and then Ben O'Grady came. Oh, yeah. So there was, uh, yeah... And Frosty, Frosty left soon, soon after I was there as well. He was there for maybe a year or something. Yeah. Hard to remember now, but... Is that when he went over to the London? No, no, they, well, he did, but they both actually, him and Shane were both in um, uh, Mike Esmond's shop in Perth. Oh, okay. Subiaco, they were, they were both there. Yeah. I lived there for a little while. Did you? Yeah, Subiaco. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, strange place, Perth. 
especially coming from London, I was just like, what is this strange yeah, backward so. place where everything closes at five o'clock? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I've never <laughs> been there, but yeah, yeah. So they went there and so me and Manu kind of did a lot of um, time together and, and kind of um, got on well. And um, oh, and then, um, and then uh, Daniel Morrison came as well. And and him and him and um and Hoppy started at the same time. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So Hoppy came in as the counter guy and the um piercer. Yeah, yeah, because they've always done piercing there, right? Yeah, yeah. They always it used to be Frosty. Used, it used to be the person on the front counter. Was the piercer? Was the piercer? Yeah, oh, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to people and then yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Come in. Yeah. Um, when Jolene started, was she an apprentice there, or she'd been tattooing for a little while? Uh, she'd been tattooing for a little while. I mean. To say that we were apprentices there is kind of like it was a working apprentice and you just got a little bit of very basic guidance and then yeah. it was just a matter of getting into it and, and just talking to each other with the other artists. We kind of yeah. did it basically together like that. Yeah, because I messaged her um, yesterday about doing a podcast. So I, like, I, can't, I can't think of anyone, any, any other females in Wellington that have been towing as long as her. Like, No, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. And she had worked at, um, she had worked at Underground Arts as well. Oh, yeah. With Steve. Yeah, yeah, she'd worked with Steve for a while before that. So she had been tattooing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, that's right. Cool. Yeah, hopefully I can, I can get her. She's uh, a bit elusive. But watch this space. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> um, so what, what, what were people getting tattooed in Wellington back then? Um, it was the tail end of the, um, the women getting the lower back tribals. Right, tramp stamp. Yeah, that kind of thing was, um, that was still a big thing. It was just sort of starting to people were starting to go, hmm, maybe this has been overdone or whatever. But um, there was a lot of that, and it was a, it was the start of all the um, like maps of New Zealand with freaking with Māori designs in it and yeah. stuff like that, and all those kind of cheesy things and um, uh, uh, silver ferns and stuff like that, and that sort of stuff really started to come in in those days, which were basically like a. Um, Almost like a tourist souvenir and more than yeah. anything else, I would say. I mean, Wellington's always been an arty place. So there's always been art students and stuff around and, and artists and yeah, know, true. All that kind of stuff. But they obviously weren't into the tattoos as much back then. No, no. It's interesting how it's kind of evolved, eh? In, yeah, absolutely. In, into an art form now, whereas, you know, we get people like every year when uni finishes, they coming in for an apprenticeship, like sending right. us an email and stuff. And, and it's just like it's a viable option for them now yeah exactly you know, as, as young exactly. artists yeah and like you say in, in those days there was nobody with an arts degree or whatever that was kind of interested i mean people like i think frosty had had done some some sort of an art course and i'm pretty sure that um that dan from sacred had had, had done um something as well yeah he some said, illustration thing or something yeah he was in he yeah i can't remember what he said in his podcast he'd worked for weta Doing like arty stuff with them oh, okay, right. before he got into tattooing. Right. Um, I think he said he went. He did go to art school or something. He went to. I think. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, there you go. But he he would have been a um, one of the first, mm. basically. So yeah, it's um it was definitely um a different thing then, but it's um yeah. What else were people getting? And then that was the start of the star thing too. Right. Everyone yeah. started getting to stars and stuff like that. Which was... Leopard print inside them and oh. <laughs> just spirals inside them. Oh, I never them. had to do that. Thank God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, were you getting tattooed much through that period by anyone around New Zealand or, or the world? Uh, I guess I was tattooed more when I first started out. I got tattooed prior to working at that shop Yeah. by the people that I had um, that had taught me and people that I'd learnt from, so... Yeah, so I'd been tattooed from Gordon in Auckland and tattooed from um, tattooed from Suluapi and tattooed from Kioni in Hawaii and um, and Leo's Luita, obviously. Uh, yeah, so I've been pretty lucky to be around some really good tattooists and some really um, top, well-known tattooists yeah. and, and get tattooed by them. Like, I've been very privileged. Yeah, and that's a great way to learn. Yeah, like, absolutely. When I was an apprentice, I used to go to other studios in London and get tattoos so I could ask questions and see what was going on basically yeah yeah right um but yeah to to see to see a process from start to finish like that close up or you know wherever it is on your body yeah true you know it's it's a great opportunity yeah yeah no absolutely and just seeing the way that they um that their mannerisms the way they behaved the way they talked and stuff like that it was all kind of a, um a good learning curve mm. in, in terms of like 
interacting with customers and stuff you mean and how, how to be professional yeah, yeah yeah how to how to be professional how to really consider that person and just um especially with um with the traditional tattooists of actually seeing how what 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 the emphasis was and what it actually meant to the people getting it and, and what um what it meant for them to be doing it as well so it was um those side of that side of things was what I was really interested in, I guess. Yeah, like the connection. The connection and and what the um, the tattoo actually does for people, I guess. And that's the that's the thing that has always attracted me to the Polynesian tattoo in the first place is the fact that it, it's something that's designed to um, actually improve your life to to make you better as a person. Mm. Um, that's that's the that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not just a, a design and it's not just a picture and it's not just... It, it can have so many different things that can be to make you feel um, connected to your whakapapa and, or it can be um, connected to nature. Um, there's just so many things, but it's all... Um, it's really important things. It's all really important things and things that we really need in this day and age, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think... Um people are very disconnected and, mm. I, and, and we touched on earlier just saying about like depression and, and yeah being online all the time on our phones or tablets or laptops or whatever but I don't necessarily think that's the cause I think that's like a plaster or a band-aid yeah, that's, you know, yeah you know, it's the medication people are using I just think like you know the the nuclear family thing and, and people being driven into like I don't know I, I just feel like we're supposed to live more in like a community vibe and with with people and mm. interacting with people yeah true and I think in, and we've become very disconnected over the yeah. past like 20 30 years yeah no absolutely um, absolutely so yeah that's interesting yeah it, no it's it, got, it it's, goes back to that yeah 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 no it's it, and if you're talking about depression I think I mean gosh to me it seems like the biggest cause of depression really is just this crap world that we've created for everyone to live in mm. this crap society yeah, that we that we that we push everybody through. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think I've started thinking about things a lot more since I've had my daughter. Yeah, it's yeah, just turned three, and you know, and it's yeah, just right. like I don't know, just thinking about things that you never thought of before, and like how things are like this, and like even like the schooling system this is really like off topic for tattooing, but yeah, yeah, um, sure, and like you know, it's based on like a you know this Victorian thing that's really outdated and you know we should be really training like things like accounting you know like we're both self-employed like mm. just training how to do accounts and manage your day-to-day shit yeah, should yeah, be true. way more important than fucking science which i've never used in my adult life you know? yeah you know true <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah the world's a fucked up place but it's cool that tattooing is is you know connecting people through that and that the, the culture of that is still alive yeah yeah absolutely um, absolutely yeah, I think it's. I think, I mean, personally, I think with the way that the world is, that people really need to reconnect with the ancient wisdoms and the ancient knowledges and, and things like yeah. that. That's um, and that's all about connection with with nature, and and we have to actually acknowledge that we need the natural world to survive. That's yeah. that's that's where we live. Totally rotational farming and seasonal, like living with the seasons. Yeah, and there's not so many things. things that you can't have that don't grow in that time of year. Yeah, true. I mean, there's so many different aspects to that. It's just um. Now is the time that we have to, as as the um, population keeps growing and growing and growing, we actually have to really start doing something about it. Mm. I think, and try and work out what that thing is. But it's it's amazing. We just talked about coronavirus earlier before the podcast, but mm. it's amazing like that that's become such a big media thing that people are like, oh, we need to do something. Whereas the global warming thing is in the media all the time, and people yeah, are just so, like, ah. Oh, well, I don't care. I'm still going to have like a half an hour shower. That's and, right. And, and, you know. Yeah. And I don't really believe it's real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. A little bit off topic there, but <laughs> it's all good. Those things are important though. They, they yeah, are. I think those things are important. Um, how long do you stay at Tattoo City before you moved on? I did five years. I decided by the time I got to about um, four years, I decided that one more year would do it for me and that it would be time for me to move on. And I really, one of the things I really wanted to do was uh, give my boss, um, Ken, the chance for, to go through a process of somebody leaving with giving the appropriate notice and leaving on good terms. Right. Because that's something that I hadn't seen happen so much before. Okay. So I said, I, I gave him six months notice and said, I'm going to, in six months, I'm going to leave. And was he fine with that? Yeah. Yeah. See, like, I think 
yeah, well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, if you're respectful in the way you do things, then it's it's like a domino effect, isn't it? You, That's right. You create a lot of what goes on around you. That's right. Um, yeah, if you if you're respectful enough to give that time. And for me, it was it wasn't a hard thing to do. My my life works on that kind of a scale. I'm not I'm not going to be like go go nuts in, in in one month and have to leave or whatever. I know that I could settle in and just say, okay, I'll, I'll do another six months and then I'm gone. Yeah. And um. I mean, I know it's a long time of notice to give, but I just, I'm really happy that I did that. And uh, it, I just wanted to do things right, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. I think a lot of that has kind of gone from tattooing nowadays. Yeah, quite possibly. I, I think a lot of shops kind of just take on apprentices very quickly and maybe without much thought. Yeah. And then they're not really taught to be respectful. I don't know. There's a lot of egos fly around. Yeah. You know, and... Um, people talking to customers or just like they come up with an idea and they're like no that's shit I don't want to do that or okay well what can you do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're learning that behaviour and then that yeah it just comes back on them when the apprentice is like oh yeah I'm leaving and I'm going to work at this shop down the road yeah, uh, yeah. next week yeah, you yeah. know it's crazy yeah um, and is that what, kind of when you set up your own thing yeah yeah I, I, actually to, uh, Manu had left and Manu was, had started his shop in, in Jackson Street in Petone yeah and um, I talked to him and um, we agreed that I would go work there uh, when I finished. And then um, after making that decision, um, a shop came up for rent in the, in the village in Pakakariki where I was living. Because I'd been living on the coast all this time. And um, I'd been sort of casually watching the shops and nothing came up for rent. But then one came up, so I thought, might as well, that's maybe a sign. I'll, I'll do that instead, maybe. So... I went and um, saw the woman and um, got a good deal on the on the rent initially. And, and is that like as you come into just Pike straight over Ricky, the railway lines? Yeah, over the railway lines. There's little shops yeah, there, just yeah. there. Yep. Yeah, yep. And so yeah, I decided I'd do that. Cool. And um, so I, I had to pay for the shop, and um, I was working four days a week at Tattoo City, and I did two days a week at the at the new place to pay help pay the rent. So for quite a while, I was working six days a week, but. Um, and then I just got to the stage where my I worked out my six months and and just totally worked in Pycock. So I did that for um, another five years, four and a half, five years. And did that? How did that go? Obviously, Wellington. That's quite a quiet place, seaside a little bit. Yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. Compared yeah. to Wellington City. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, I don't know how it would go, but it went really well. And the funny thing was that at that time there was no one in the Wellington area um, who was specialising in either Maori or Polynesian work. Yeah. For some reason, it was just like a big. It just wasn't happening around Wellington. Yeah, uh, Henare had been had a shop in um, in Wainui for a little while, but um, I think he was working in the back of a barber's shop. That was the only one that had been. That was the only kind of um, alternative. So it was just it just worked because of that. Yeah, and so. And, just, and what else was around Capacity then? Just like Levin, Levin the shop, the Dave shop there. Dave shop. I think I think Dave. Um, started his 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 Paraparomu shop. I think shortly after I got there. But I think and Vaughan was working as well. Vaughan, oh, okay, yeah. Vaughan was already tattooing, I think. Yeah, he was. Yeah, because he he had the shop open while I was still working at Tattoo City. So. So there was there was those two at about the same time. Yeah. And 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 Vaughan was just like a nose ahead of me basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And did you have anyone come to work with you there or just on your own? Uh, I did a, I, I had a, um, when I worked at Tattoo City, I had a customer, um, Fred Valico, and he had come in with the design that he'd drawn and got me to tattoo that on him and then got another design, me to tattoo another design on another friend of his. And I just said to him, if I ever get my own shop and you want to learn to tattoo, then um, you should come see me. And um, eventually that did happen. He did come and see me. And so I had him for a couple of years. Yeah. And um, well, we extended the shop so there was more space, and and he came and worked for me for two years and learned to tattoo. So uh, and then by the time I got to about the a year and a half into it, I said to him, when the two year because I'd always always said two year apprenticeship, when the two years is up, I think I'll be happy to work by myself again. <laughs> and he was happy with that idea, I think too. So yeah. he just took off and he opened a studio in um, Porirua. Oh, yeah. And he's been doing that ever since. So, what, how did you find the trizit? Oh, hang on one sec. 
cool, we can get going again. <laughs> um, so yeah, how did you find the transition of obviously working in a busy city with lots of artists to kind of working on your own? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Because, I mean, Tattoo City, I found working... I never really wanted to work in a tattoo shop. I just knew that that's what I needed to do to get the skills so that I could do um, what I wanted to do, which is what I am. where I am now, is working in my backyard in my own yeah. space, basically. When you say your backyard, it's it's quite a, a nice set-up little space you've got out here. Sure, sure, but um, it's still my, in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, like, do you not miss kind of like bouncing ideas off of people? And, no. no, no, I'm not just really. Like, I'm not really that sort of a guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm the. I just f- try and follow my own inspiration as much as possible. Yeah, um, and I always enjoy talking to other other artists and other people, but at the same time, I'm happy to just be here in a space where it's just me and my customer. Yeah, and um, we can get a, get that connection happening, and um, I can hopefully do something for them that they're going to really love. Yeah. So how how do you kind of find inspiration and where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, basically from, for me, I mean, because I'm not Māori or Polynesian I'm, and I'm working in, a lot of the time I'm working in those sort of designs, I have to had to find my own connection to it. And um, my own connection is through the natural world. That's that's where I, where I kind of lock up with it, basically. And um, I spend a lot of time out there I, every every day on my bike. Um, riding up and down the river and stuff like that yeah. and that's how I relax and that's how I kind of tune in to all those things but when I'm when I'm drawing and tattooing and designing and stuff it's it's pretty much um, more than anything else it's it's like an intuitive process that comes from that the fact that I've, I kind of can spend all that time outside and, and being a part of that environment and then when I come to sit down and actually work then I can just go for it and not not think too much yeah just switch off a little bit yeah yeah focus. and then just see what comes through see what see what happens yeah How, t- what's your kind of approach to designing a tattoo do you do much freehand or do you stencil and draw up a lot of stuff or i stencil stuff i'll draw stuff on paper if it's something that's kind of outside my comfort zone yeah um that needs a bit if it needs something that needs extra time but generally i, I freehand everything you know 90 percent of stuff and i like the fact that Basically, the customer's there with me, and we just start talking and, and, and drawing. Yeah, and, and just organically kind of comes yeah, yeah. from that conversation. Yeah, and I've been doing it for quite a few years now, so I've got, I feel like I'm at a point where I can just sort of sit down and, and let the pen start talking, yeah. basically. that That's where the ideas come from. I don't have ideas in my head when I start, usually. It's usually just start drawing and see what comes. Yeah. And um, Otaki's artist population's grown... A little bit now, and uh, I came up and did a. I oh know she came down to me, Lorna. Yeah, a yeah. Podcast with her last um, last series of podcasts I did, um, and Mikey's recently moved up here with Shane. Yeah. Um, you've got kind of like a good little community of people here. Yeah, there's a lot of people here. There. I mean, I don't. Uh, I mean, I see Lorna. I've just I've just met Mikey. Um, I don't really see myself as a tattooist, to tell you the truth. I see myself. I just. Um, I'm just here doing my thing basically yeah so i don't what i'm trying to say i guess i don't necessarily if i'm in a group of tattooists i'm not going to necessarily feel at home yeah i'm not going to necessarily feel like these are my people or whatever Mm. um so but yeah i mean there's a lot of people there's a lot of cool people in this town so definitely that's um yeah and i lived here i've lived here um i lived here in the 80s my kids were both born in this town so it's kind of like home to me, and there's people that I know from back in those days that are still here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically this is home for me. Cool. More than, even has, though I'm not from here, this is this is my home. Yeah. As as and I'm it has a, like a community feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. People. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And I try and make the effort to um, get out and, and visit people more than I do. But at the end of the day, the other thing is that I find with my with tattooing, I'm here with this person all day, and it's a real. Um, it's an intense kind of a, a, a thing that's going on between us. And when I've done that, quite often I just want to spend time by myself. Oh, I feel, <laughs> I feel exactly the same, eh? Like, yeah. I, I do a day at the shop. Like, I'm, I'm like you. Like, I'll go in early and do drawing. Like, I'm, I'm a, like, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, right, I just want to be productive from the get-go. Do my drawing for the day, then do my tattooing. And by, you've done, by the time you've done all that, it's a long day. And, yeah, like, yeah. you're right. I just want to go home and just... Put a film on and not talk to anybody, yeah, yeah. You know, or read a book, or you yeah. know, just completely disconnect. Yeah, um, yeah. And for me, that's my—I jump on my bike and ride up the river, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, 
so I do, to a certain degree, I do have to try and force myself to socialise a bit more. Yeah. It's one of those things, isn't it? Like, it, it, it's just about balance, I think, with, yeah. with, with everything. Um, yeah, we tried to make a bit more of an effort to do, like, time out of tattooing and spend that time on drawing. Yeah, right. Um, so we came up to Mikey's shop last year and we just spent a day like all the artists from our shop and his shop just like, yeah you told me about drawing. that yeah, yeah cool and that was kind of cool so we need to kind of organise another one of those I think because it just kind of like you're kind of in and around the tattoo environment but you're not doing tattooing it's quite it was quite good just for your, for your energy boost and yeah, you know, right. and, and inspiration and stuff cool um, the other thing I wanted to talk about you were a little bit involved with the Auckland convention oh yeah yeah with, yeah. Uh, with Pippa yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I talked to her yeah um, yeah, do we yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, basically, um, the first one was designed so that um, when all those artists came for that first Samoan convention, uh, since they were down this part of the world, they could then come to Auckland and work there as well. Yeah. So a lot of people um, that went to that one flowed on and came down to, to the convention in Auckland. So, And, um, yeah, Pip was, like I said, was the main organiser of that, and I was on board for, for helping out with that as well. And then, um, excuse me, there was another Samoan convention a couple of years later, I think, 2001. And same thing, we organised another Auckland convention to coincide with that. Uh, and the people came down from there. Um, and these one, the first two were both at the, um, at the university in Auckland. And, um, yeah, then it basically just went from there. And then there was a few, a few others over the years. I'll lose track now, but... There's one at the AUT and there was one at the um, at the race course. Yeah, that was the one I did. Yeah, that, right. That was the last one they ever did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I might have met you at that one. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Possibly. I think I think so. I think you're right. I do remember that now. And that was that. And that was I remember that because that was the, that was the day that um that was when Money left and moved to Germany. Right. As well, okay. he, there was his like he, he left from from there. Cool, just flew straight out of Auckland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the hub airport of New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah there you go. All the cheap flights go for. Cool. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to mention. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to talk about? Or uh, that that covers a lot of, of, of my own um, history and stuff and what I'm into. But um, one of the things that's important to me that I would like to that I'd like to mention is that um, I like to try and keep my prices at a reasonable level. And um, this is for me. It's a it's like a personal protest at the. Um, the amount of um, of personal greed that I see in our in our world in the business kind of model that whatever you're doing you should be trying to charge the most that you possibly can for it yeah and I just totally don't agree with that yeah and I think that's what um, I I have a policy of a belief that we should try and kind of tread lightly on the on the on this world that we are um, passing through yeah and um, that's one way that I feel like I can do that. So I try and keep my price as reasonable as possible so that people also, so that I don't have to just work on people with lots of money. Yeah. Cause a lot of my favorite customers are the people that don't have a lot of money. Yeah. And um, well, that's kind of one of the things I like about tattooing. You, you tattoo people from all walks of life. Exactly. You know, exactly. But not if your prices are really high. Mm, true. Yeah. <laughs> pricing is quite a good thing to touch on. I think, um, I don't think I've really talked about that in a podcast before. Mm. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I did talk to Dean and Dan because they were saying that really their minimum charge hasn't gone up in the last sort of 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And kind of, it's, it's a hard line. When we opened the shop, I kind of, you wanted to be on, I wanted to be on par with everybody in Wellington, roughly. Sure. So which I think in Wellington is between sort of 120 and 170. It's kind of the hourly minimum charge kind of thing. Yeah. Or I guess when you're in a city, your rent's always more expensive and your overheads are always more. Yeah, so you, have to, you have to charge a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, but then somebody came in the other day and um, they said they were getting charged like 250 an hour by somebody. And I was like, what wow. is this? They must be a really good tattooist. I'd really like to meet that person. Yeah, or like uh, a really good opportunist. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you certainly see shops pop up and they... For whatever reason, don't uh, they can't get good artists to work for them, so they take on apprentices and then they kind of train these people. They kind of mould them themselves, don't they? So then it's like after you, okay, we well, can yeah. tell you this. We're going to put your prices at this, and um, yeah, this this ha- has happened at one shop in Wellington today where the, the apprentices there are charging, and people have come in and just like saying t- saying to us like just crazy amounts of what they've paid, and we're just like that would take us like three hours. Yeah, that's right. And it's taken like a day session with his apprentice who's charging like over a grand, and it's just yeah. like 
what's happening. Yeah, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I guess it's like everything in the world, isn't it? Like, you know, we live in a capitalist culture and um, people are always going to take the fucking piss. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and like I say, I'm, I actually want to do something and make a personal protest hmm. at that because I, I really think that is at the heart of... Um, that, that mindset is at the heart of uh, the, a lot of the bad things that are happening in the world these days. Oh, definitely. And so I, I really want to make myself uh, apart from that. And, and hopefully some of my customers will realise that that's what's happening and, um, and it'll make, make them think about it a little bit more too. Yeah. And I guess it makes people a bit easier to, to travel as well, you know, if you're not paying city prices, you're out the city a little bit. It's yeah, like, that's well, right. I can afford to travel out and get tattooed there. So. Oh, yeah, people like coming out here. It's not far to come. and. Um, it's it's a it's a, just a different environment. People like yeah. getting away from the city, and, and especially if you're going to get a um, tattoo done, it's kind of it's cool to kind of step into a, into a different um, a different realm, basically. Yeah, yeah which I is agree. what I tried to do with making a garden here. That you yeah. walk, you have to walk through the garden, and it's kind of to to get you into a different space because that's that's the possibility that you can do with tattooing. Yeah, right. Like you you open your gate and you just follow the path down. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of get through and then. You see the little sign and yeah, yeah, you know, that's the idea of it anyway. Yeah, cool. Um, what what else don't you like about tattooing at the moment apart from the pricing? Because I like things have changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and I don't think everything that's changed for the better. Obviously, some things are. Some things are, are pushing forward in a way that's good. You know, like um, technical things and machines. And again, yeah, like we're getting like these amazing machines now, but the prices are fucking ridiculous. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, and with, with, all I can do is I can just say my own. They're, they're just my own personal ideas. I think one of the things is. Is, is kind of like there's all these sort of uh, ways that you're supposed to be if you're a tattooist nowadays. Right. Like all these things that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to um, go work at conventions. You're supposed to um, you're supposed to have uh, go and do guest spots. Just all those kind of things, which they're they're cool things and they're good when you're learning. But and as you progress through your career, you're supposed to have a shop. You're supposed to have apprentices blah blah but all these things and for me a lot of those things just didn't really appeal and mm. and i try i've done a lot of those things thinking well this is what you're supposed to do this is the path that you're supposed to take but i just got to a point where i just decided well I'm, i don't want to do those things i'm i'm not that guy yes i do tattooing and i and i love doing tattooing but um i want to be myself and bring my own kind of personality to this because that's what i want that's who i am that's what i am i, I yeah. can't really um i don't want to do these other things so I feel like there's a whole lot of stuff that people, are, everyone around the world is looking at the same things online and tattooing also has become very um, uh, generic. Like everywhere you go, every country that you go to, it's the same stuff almost. Right, yeah, like the, the popular styles, yeah, like yeah, yeah. black work. Like yeah, it goes everywhere. It's stuff. everywhere. Yeah. It's all the same everywhere now, whereas it used to be that there was real kind of regional kind of things that you could see this came from this area. Yeah. And I, I like that fact that... Um, that there was that kind of, I mean, in a way, it's like less diversity, but it's more genuine. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. It's it's more actually uh, realistic. It's more. Um, it just has more integrity somehow. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, it's um, it's it's strange, eh? You look at somebody from like Croatia or Bulgaria or somewhere in in Eastern Europe, and then somebody in. Australia and the States and they you know you couldn't tell the tattoos apart it's just like yeah female figure very fine lines black hair not much detailing clean technically a good tattoo yeah. but like it yeah. doesn't have much heart and soul to it does it a lot of it no no I think that's right and I mean it's I guess people are getting really good results of um, good quality tattoos but there's not much um, not much in the way of, of pushing the envelope creatively or if there is, it's always done in a certain way. It's done down a certain track, and and you can see that it's they're trying to be like this one or like that one, or it's just um, seems to be pretty predictable as well. Mm. I yeah, I think social media has has a bit to do with that as well. Yeah, a lot. Um, because obviously my shop's in the city, and we we do a lot of walk-ins, mm. and now people just you know, you'll see the same reference picture three times in a week. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're bringing exactly the same thing. I want to get this. Yeah, okay, yeah. We're doing a, we can do this and we can do it like that. We don't want to rip that off. Yeah, yeah. But then they're like, oh, no, I want exactly like that. And there's something, it's hard because you've got to 
get what they like out of that design. Yeah. But redraw it enough so it's different and it's yours. Yeah, that's, it, oh, it yeah. becomes like a very hard thing. That's really soul destroying, especially like you say, if you start getting the same picture over and over again. And yeah. I mean, I, I, we got it back in the day with um, everyone coming in saying they wanted to get Sonny Bill's tattoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I did about four different versions of things that were kind of influenced by that. And then I just, after that, I just said, there's no way I'm going to even consider it on anybody else. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it again. And it's, it's soul destroying really to having to try and redesign something just so that it looks different from what the original is. Yeah. You know, that's a, I mean, I know that's part of working in a tattoo shop, but... It's, it's not fun, is it? Mm. That's one of the things I definitely don't miss. But having said that, I still get people here that will bring me the same picture over and over again. I'll get, and it's, I know it's the first page of, of a Google search of, of whatever they've looked for. Yeah. Uh, and I have to do the same thing. In, in my position, I've been, I guess, I'm in a bit of a privileged situation where people come to me because they know what my tattoos look like pretty much. Yeah. And if they don't, then I soon point them in that direction. And, um, what I, what I, what my job is, I see, is to try and work out, go beyond what they say, and actually pick through what they're saying and work out what they actually want, yeah. and come up with something that is what they want that they didn't even realise that they wanted, mm. and is better than what they kind of um, were hoping for. Yeah, I think that's the key word, like just guiding your customers to something better. Yeah, like part of our job's education. Yeah, as well as everything else. You know? yeah, absolutely, because we we're the ones that deal with tattooing every day, and we know about the designs, and we know. Um, what's going to work and we've seen what tattoos people are happy with over a period of time and all those kind of issues so I mean we are the professionals in that sense so but we we at the same time we have to um, go with what people want yeah <laughs> so yeah it's a double-edged sword isn't it yeah but yeah at the end of the day I think we're lucky to make a living from doing something we enjoy 100% and it's a roller coaster week to week you know yeah, yeah. like huge ups and downs and um yeah, probably that's probably why it's so hard on your mental health, I think. Yeah, still. yeah. Yeah, I'd say, and it is a hard one. It, it definitely, um, tattooing definitely suits um, obsessive minds mm. because there's so much to get obsessed about and yeah. so much to think about. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I never, a day doesn't go by that I aren't thankful that I'm sitting in my backyard and making a living out of what I what I do. I'm, you know, I'm always grateful for that. I, th- I think it's amazing that I can do that. Yeah. So just... Um briefly just touching on what we were talking about a second ago do you do like a consultation process with your customers to kind of get them to where you want to be or do you literally just they book in they turn up on the day have a conversation and work through it and draw start drawing on i I tend to give people the um the option i tend to say if you want to come and see me beforehand to discuss it um then and then we can and if if, certainly if if it's something that i think is going to be um a little bit out of my comfort zone and I'm going to need to draw it on paper first, then yeah, I'll definitely get them to come in first. But generally, I just give people the option and I'm happy either way because I'm just going to talk to them on the day anyway. It's not like if they come and have a consultation with me, it's for their sake. It's not like I'm going to be making mental notes or anything. Generally, I'll just be starting again. I have to ask them all the same questions again because I won't remember anyway. Yeah, I think sometimes like I, I try and encourage people in for a consultation because I think it's just nice to meet people absolutely and and get a feel and it's like oh yeah absolutely. I actually really like this yeah. guy and I want to get tattooed by him instead of just turning up on the day and be like 100% oh, actually this guy's a bit of a dick I don't think yeah. I do want to get tattooed that's by it. him but it's too late now yeah that's right no that's it and I, I that's totally what I do I totally um give people that option and say if you want to come and see me then I'm really happy for you to come in and we'll sit down and talk about it and if you don't want to I'm happy with that too I'm happy to just go for it on the day so either way yeah cool yeah and yeah because it's a little bit of a, it is a drive to come just for a consultation yeah and a lot of people really want to and a lot of people message me at the start and ask for a consultation and and that's really cool awesome yeah um so what's the best way people that to listen to the podcast want to book in with you what's the best way of getting in touch with you uh either through through my website which is just pacific tattoo um or on instagram or facebook i mean i'm pretty much on all those things under, under Pacific Tattoo or Tim Hunt. Cool, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks for taking an hour out of your morning to have a chat with me today. No, cool. Uh, I've got one just, more thing I wanted to say yeah, too. Yeah, go for it. For, for tattoos, I don't know if this is common knowledge, but um, Blue Mr. Muscle Glass Cleaner is really, really good for getting ink off the floor. Huh, okay. You know, like even, even stuff that's dried out anywhere, 
blue Mr. Muscle glass cleaner. It's got to be that, okay. exactly that one. There's a pro tech tip for yeah, any yeah, artist yeah. listening. That's what I'd like to um, leave as my legacy to the, to the tattoo world. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks. <laughs> this week's episode of Tall Tales and Tattooing was brought to you by the Wellington Tattoo Convention, hosted in the coolest little capital in the world. Visit the website at www.wellingtontattooconvention.com.